We're at 81 degrees. Paige was telling me before we got the program underway, uh, Paige Heitman was with us today, we're going to talk to uh, Phelps. So she was telling me, you know, radio's hard. Well, it's even harder when you don't turn on your mic, which is, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm only been in the business for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Paige is here today, and she has some guests talking Phelps Health today, and good morning, Paige. Good morning, Lee. You know, I think we all have days like that where we forget to turn on our mic, or, you know, we forget to bring our outline. I've had days where I've forgotten to bring my outline, and lucky enough, somebody else has brought it. So, totally get it. Glad to be here today for Ask a Professional. So, today we have two really awesome guests. We have Becky with them, an FNP at the Phelps Health Delbert Day Cancer Institute, and Jennifer Gerleman, an oncology nurse navigator at the DDCI. So, welcome to our program today, ladies. Thank you. We are very excited to have you. So, one of our favorite ways to kick off the Ask a Professional show is by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves, their history, kind of what brought them to Phelps Health and why they care so much about healthcare. So, Becky, maybe we'll just go ahead and kick it off with you. Sure, that sounds great. Thanks for having us today. Yeah. So, my name is Becky Witham. I'm the nurse practitioner of medical oncology at Delbert Day Cancer Institute. One of the reasons that I chose healthcare is simply because I do want to be there to help people. I want to be there in the beginning, throughout the middle, and in the end of anything that I can do to help them um, improve their, their own health. Um, when I went to school, I actually went to school at Maryville University in St. Louis um, back in 2012 and graduated with my master's then and did about a year in primary care and then got to the privilege to come back to oncology in 2015. So that's been great. My special interest really in my personal life is my family. They keep me busy 24 hours a day. But as far as oncology goes, I really have a special interest in colorectal cancer, lung cancer, and pancreatic cancers. I chose Phelps Health because they truly do care, and I really am um, attracted to that. I suppose they care about the staff that work at the facility, they care about the patients that we treat. Um, The technology that they offer is truly cutting edge and and, um, impressive. The minds of some of the physicians that do work there are incredible. It's very impressive to see them come together and treat patients. Becky, I love that. It's really impressive to sit here and listen to you talk about how passionate you are about what you do in in Phelps Health. Um, I also want to say congratulations just really quick. Becky got married this past Saturday, which is really exciting on top of all the other 1,000 things that she does. So, Jennifer, go ahead and introduce yourself to us. Hi, good morning, everybody. Um, I chose to work in healthcare because when I was younger, my dad told me and my sister that he would pay for college if we wanted to be a teacher or a nurse. So my sister that made your decision. And I'm the nurse. <laughs> um, I went to school. I started out as a CNA and kind of worked my way up to LPN, to RN, and then to my bachelor's. Um, I went to LPN school in Washington, and then I did um, the bridge program here in Rolla through ECC, and then I got my bachelor's through Central Methodist. Um, my special interests include everything that revolves around my kids. Um, pretty much whatever they're into is my interest at the time. I have three kids. Um, my daughter is 22. She's a Marine. She's stationed out in North Carolina. And then I have two small boys, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So I'm kind of busy. Um, I chose Phelps Health because there's so much diversity there. Um, you know, as a nurse, if you get tired of working on one floor, you can go do something else. Um, What I enjoy about the Cancer Center is I've never had more grateful patients um, that truly appreciate life. 
than every patient that comes into the cancer center. They're so respectful. They're grateful for everything that you do for them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just a whole different realm of patients than working in the clinic every day, mm -hmm. taking care of a sick patient take, versus taking care of a cancer patient. Yeah, I think that's really special. So today the topic that we're going to be talking about I think is also really special as well. We're going to be talking about cancer survivorship. So first, what is a cancer survivor? Let's define that. I'll go ahead and answer that. So truly, the National Coalition of the Cancer Survivorship first coined the term in 1986, and it truly is considered a cancer survivor is someone from the moment of diagnosis and for the balance of the life. So an individual diagnosed with cancer at that moment is a survivor throughout the duration of their life. Are family members also considered cancer survivors? What does that look like and how far reaching is that? Family members, friends, caregivers, anybody who's affected um, from a person's diagnosis are considered cancer survivors and they're actually coined as co-survivors. That's really cool. Have they all always been called co-survivors or is that something that's fairly new? I think it's something that's probably been coined fairly new, but you know, for somebody to get through cancer, it takes a whole village. Mm -hmm. um, you know the difference between patients that have a strong healthcare support system versus somebody that doesn't have any support. Um, just the way that they handle things, the way that they go through things, the side effects that they experience. Um, it seems like if they have a lot of support at home and around them, they tend to go easier through the treatments. Yeah, and I think we're probably going to wind up talking about that today, kind of what that looks like with, with that big support group. Um, kind of continuing on, you know, how do we define survivorship? What, how, what does that look like from, like, beginning to end? Well, cancer survivorship is the experience, like I said, of living with, through, and beyond the diagnosis of cancer. So it can be kind of broken down to, it's in, into a few different phases. There's an acute survivorship phase, which starts at the time of diagnosis and goes to the end of initial treatment. And cancer treatment is the focus. Extended survivorship starts at the end of the treatment and goes through months after. The effects of the cancer and the treatment are the focus. And then there's the permanent survivorship, and that's when years have passed since the cancer treatment ended and there's less of a chance that the cancer will come back. The long-term effects of cancer are the treatment focus. You know, um, whenever I was younger, my grandmother died of lung cancer and I don't think that these types of support systems were as readily available then as they are now and I think that's really cool to hear because whenever you talk about these three different phases of survivorship, I almost wonder if, you know, maybe her outcome wouldn't have been different, but if she would have had or felt more support because she would have been able to connect with people who were different levels of survivor, mm -hmm. which is really cool. When should somebody start receiving survivorship care? Is it immediately once they get that diagnosis of you have cancer? Basically, yes. Um, you know, from the very beginning, we teach... Um, that it's important to keep all of your appointments, you know, whether we're going through treatment, whether we're doing follow-up, um, whether we're doing survivorship, it's just kind of all-encompassing. You start teaching at the very beginning and it's kind of like kindergarten through 12th grade. You know, you start out at the beginning, use simple steps until finally you graduate into that full survivorship program. But the whole time in between, we're teaching them and reinforcing everything that they need to do to be compliant. So you mentioned the words all-encompassing, and you also said we. 
who's going to be part of that healthcare team during and after active treatment ends? And what does each team member do? Let's spend a little bit of time and talk about what that looks like. I can talk about that a little bit. So the healthcare team um, during the active treatment and through the survivorship program remains the same. So at, at DDCI, some other oncology clinics may establish and set up differently, but at DDCI, the healthcare team is truly going to stay the same from the moment they come into the clinic throughout their active treatment and then through the survivorship clinic as well. So the providers um, will continue. When you come into you would see me, you could see one of the oncologists. Um, we'll still continue to do routine labs. Some patients, depending on the diagnosis, will get routine images. We'll do uh, history and physical checkups. We'll do port flushes, review sca uh, scans. Um, they aren't as frequent as they are typically when you're under active treatment. Um, but the care of the survivorship patient continues with the same healthcare team, which includes the ancillary staff. What is an ancillary staff? Can we, can we define that? Um, the ancillary staff is just kind of the group that does things that the nurses and the doctors really don't have time to aggravate themselves with. <laughs> um, you know, if you have a patient that's really having a lot of emotional stress or concerns, we want to have the time to sit down and do that. So we've got Susan, the social worker, who really sits mm -hmm. down and gets these patients to open up. And if they need additional help from what she can provide, then she'll refer them out for some help. We have Kevin who focuses on the financial woes. You know, if they have an insurance question, the last thing we want is somebody coming in with a bill worried about how they're gonna pay for this when they really need to be focused on how to treat their cancer. Mm -hmm. So Kevin takes care of all those questions. Um, I'm the navigator, so basically anything that Everybody else is hitting their head against the wall, whether they need home health, whether they need extra services at home, if they're struggling on how to take their medications at home, any of those nursing type based questions that they don't feel like is appropriate to ask the provider because they don't want to take up that much time is what they come to me for. And then of course we have Lori who's the dietitian and she's probably the most hated person in the facility. <laughs> Aren't all dietitians though. <laughs> um, she's so important but though. She, so she important. does a great she's job incredible. and she follows patients from the initial diagnosis all the way through survivorship as well. So, um, you know, we're just a team. We work really well together. Um, we've got the research team who's kind of transitioning through a little bit, but they do good job finding those patients and targeting who can, uh, you know, qualifies for clinical trials just to make sure that everybody's getting the best care that we can get mm -hmm. them. So if somebody has been diagnosed with cancer, what can they visit or expect during their visits if they're going through a survivorship program and does Phelps Health offer a survivorship program? We do offer a survivorship program. We base our survivorship um, off of the NCCN guidelines, which is the National Comprehensive Cancer Network. So during each visit, the healthcare team often will perform a complete physical and medical history. The focus really is to discuss ways to prevent new health problems, um, but we're constantly assessing and treating any side effects that the patient may be experiencing, um, recommending appropriate health and cancer screenings. That's something very important throughout survivorship and continuing to offer resources for coping, support, and emotional health. Also, you know, we do refer to special programs for resources such as healthy eating, exercising, and to help quitting smoking. Um, we'll also update the survivorship care, care plan and forward it to the primary care provider. How important is it for somebody 
to be a part of a survivorship program? Do they have to be part of a program? Can they elect not to be part of it? What are their options and why would you encourage somebody to be part of a program like this? I highly recommend anybody who has the opportunity to be a part of a survivorship care plan for many reasons. Um, the One of the main reasons is because the goal of the survivorship program is to monitor for any potential chance of recurrence. And we know that there is a high chance of recurrence um, or that cancer could come back in some patients. And the sooner for any cancers that it's found um, or caught, the higher likelihood of a chance of cure is. So it's extremely important to follow up and keep those follow-up appointments to minimize that risk of recurrence. Um, also, it's helpful to continue to educate patients on how they can reduce their risk factors. Whenever you're monitoring these patients to make sure that they don't have any signs of reoccurrence, do you also track this type of data and do you track this data for you know people who want to be involved in the survivorship program? Well, we do track what the patients are experiencing and what their side effects are, but we do not necessarily compile that into data. So if it's based on individual cases, yes, we do. So it's often that each case is separate from another. So we basically take each case as itself by itself um, to continue to monitor and um, track what the patient's going through after their treatment. Now, Phelps Health is accredited, right? Um, so who are we accredited through, and is that based off of data that we provide? We're accredited through the COC, the Commission on mm -hmm. Cancer, um, and basically it's it's a lot of things that are compiled yeah. into that. Um, and our cancer registers do a great job of mm -hmm. getting everything together for that. Um, but a lot of it is, you know, the diagnosis that we do, that we're using the NCCN guidelines, that we're holding tumor board, mm -hmm. um, you know, that we show up and have our, um, you know, all of our providers show up for our cancer committee meetings and things like that. So it's a lot of different things that are tracked. Um, and as far as numbers and stuff go, Andrea and Sarah keep all of that. Sure. Um, yeah, us. and we've had Sarah on here before as well to talk about how important that yeah. data is and what it means for, you know, the Phelps Health UDCI. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people, I think, they hear about all these great programs and services we offer at Phelps Health, in particular the DDCI, and they don't realize that you can get the same treatment here that you would in any large urban area, Definitely. which is really cool. But then also the plus side, and I think the cherry on top is you know the people. Mm -hmm, yeah. You can walk in and say, hey, Becky, hey, Jennifer, how, how are your kids? How are mm -hmm. sports going? Right. While you're getting whatever type of treatment it is. And I think that's kind of a, a unique differentiator for us. So I want to take a step back for a second and talk about primary care physicians. Why would somebody share their survivorship care plan with their primary care provider? It's important um, that primary care physicians have a copy of their survivorship care plan just because the patients um, will be utilizing their PCPs more, more during this stage of cancer care. You know, instead of calling the triage line when they're sick or having a respiratory infection, um, we're gonna encourage these patients to see their primary care. So for example, if the primary care doesn't know that the patient received radiation and they're coming in with some respiratory problems, um, they, you know, they need to know that this may be a post-radiation complication, which is treated differently than just a viral type mm -hmm. of thing. So it's important that the whole healthcare team stays up and informed mm -hmm. of this um, 
to, to make sure that the recovery process is going the right way. Absolutely. That leads me right into my next question, which is what is the difference between a long-term and a late effect? I think a lot of people don't even know what this is, right? They go to their doctor and they say, I'm hacking up a lung, what's going on? I can touch base on that a little bit. So the long-term effects really are those that occur first during the cancer treatment and persist after the completion of the primary therapy. For example, scarring or fertility problems or fatigue. Late effects are not really apparent during the primary treatment but arise later. For example, secondary cancers, dental problems, hearing loss, heart problems, lymphedema, lung disease, osteoporosis, those are things we may see many, many years later and that's one of the reasons you know, going through the survivorship program can be very beneficial as we're continuing to look for those late effects and also supporting the patient through that time too. What types of things can be done to manage any long-term side effects or late effects that may continue after? After treatments have been completed? The biggest thing is to keep your scheduled appointments and follow the survivorship mm -hmm. care plan. Um, continuing with routine screenings, you know, continuing to make sure that they're having their prostate exams, that they're having their mammograms, and their well woman exams, um, and report any symptoms that are abnormal to the primary care of the oncologist as soon as possible. Um, fatigue is a big one. Exercise regularly, limit your naps, avoid caffeine in the evenings, keep a regular sleep schedule, um, see a dentist regularly, look into fertility preservation prior to starting treatments, and our oncologists and um, nurse practitioners do a great job at focusing on those patients that are still, you know, may want to still have a family when they've been diagnosed and, and giving them the opportunity to seek those types of things. Um, chemo brain is a big thing. Um, using memory aids to treat the fatigue and sleep problems, um, managing depression and anxiety. Uh, for pain, physical therapy, for lymphedema, we do the lymphedema clinics. Um, medication support groups are all good things. You mentioned chemo brain. What is that? What does that look like? Is that just brain fatigue? Is that more than brain fatigue? That's a very good question. It's different for many people. Um, basically, it can go from the idea you can't come up with the words you're thinking of, the my mind won't stop and I'm exhausted, um, to I can't remember a single treatment that I got during treatment. So, and then it could be as simple as I know I was going to the store, but I've completely forgot why I went. So it can be very mentally exhausting to go through that. So really help, the, one of the big, biggest ways is to reach out and tell people you need help. Um, with reminders, making lists, prioritizing um, so that you can get things done, checklists, check those off so you know you got them done, um, and then the, you know, reaching out for support. Yeah, I think you touched on something that I'm going to jump forward a few questions. How can loved ones and survivors, even people who are actively going through treatment, deal with the anxiety and fear about the possibility of cancer returning, you know, um, chemo brain. The I think whenever somebody has a cancer diagnosis or, you know, maybe they've been cured of cancer, but there's still the worry that this may come back. How do they deal with that fear and anxiety? Because a lot of people are very strong-willed. They don't want to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I deal with this a lot and talk to all the patients that come to the survivorship clinic. Even during treatment, we talk about this because after the treatment's over, anxiety goes sky high. The what if, how will I know? So the best thing to do is reach out, reach out for help, um, have open and honest communication with myself, with the providers, with your loved ones. 
Um, don't over schedule yourself. Make sure that you're making time for rest and recovery and being aware of how much you can do. Be aware of your limits. Um, asking for help early, especially if you're not feeling well. That's one thing that we really stress for the patients is don't wait until the end of the day. Don't wait till the afternoon to see if you feel better. If you don't feel well, call us and let us know. Um, prioritizing, I kind of touched based on that already. Um, completing tasks in smaller steps so that you can allow time for rest um, is another thing that you can do to help with that anxiety. Um, and also even asking for financial assistance. Sometimes it's not the fear of recurrence, it's the fear of am I going to be able to pay for this financially. So joining a support group, there are many, many support groups. Um, and speaking with the social worker, we've mentioned before, you still have all the support um, even after treatment for many, many years for as long as you're a patient there for social work, the navigation, um, to help during those times when you're feeling overwhelmed. What can survivors do to protect their health and lower the risk of their cancer returning? You know, I know they, they may have all of these fears and anxieties once they say your, your cancer is gone you're cured, we're going, we're going to be just monitoring at this point in time, but what are ways that they can work to stay healthy? Um, basically, it's the same thing that you hear, eat healthy and exercise. Mm -hmm. Keep your appointments, have your regular health exams with your primary care, um, keep up with your regular screenings. It's everything that everybody has always heard. Um, take care of your mental health. Mm -hmm. You know, especially, and we, we focus on the survivors a lot too, um, but their caregivers are absolutely right there with this too because they go under through, through so much strain and stress that it's almost harder on the caregiver because they're trying to make everything so good for the patients that they're taking along so much stuff. So we really need to make sure that we're focusing on that caregiver too and making sure that they have the support and the emotional help and everything that they need to kind of get through this. Yeah, I think I think that is really great. So you mentioned how everybody hates dietitians, right? Or that's their <laughs> least favorite person. So once somebody, you know, begins this process of survivorship, do they still see a dietitian? Does the dietitian still work with them and in what capacity? Um, it kind of depends. You know, if you have a patient that's a head and neck cancer, she's going to be following them until they get back up to mm -hmm. baseline or to a safe weight. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing um, that cancer patients face is weight loss. You know, if they're going through treatment, they're not hungry. They have to force themselves to eat, and they know that. So when you have Lori telling them, you need to eat, you eat whatever you want to, you need to eat, you're losing weight. You know, we have patients that sneak coins in their pockets. They want to wear their coats when they're getting weighed, but they don't understand that this is all... Um, you know, that their treatments are based off of their weight, so we're going to give them too much if they come in and they're not weighing, you know, what they should weigh. You know, Lori's there to help them, <laughs> um, you know, but we also want to make sure that treatment is safe for them, too, so it's not that she's being rude mm -hmm. or getting on to them. It's, it's all about the safety of, mm -hmm. you know, keep your body healthy and, new, you know, full of nutrition so we can help beat this cancer yeah I think for me that almost kind of goes back to mental health they don't want to be a burden on anybody else mm -hmm. even their medical staff mm -hmm. and it's kind of unfortunate because you guys are there to help and support mm -hmm. and, and love and get them through this mm -hmm. and they show up with coins in their pockets yeah. so then you got to be the bad <laughs> guy sneaky. and say yeah yes uh-huh I know what's in that purse winter boots on <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> uh, so we've got just you know a, a couple of minutes I want to ask one more question um how when can somebody consider themselves fully cured? What does that look like? That's a very good question, and I get that a lot from patients. Um, it's very difficult to answer that question, and here's why. Um, truly, a cure means that there's no traces of cancer and that the cancer will never come back. 
that's a difficult statement to say to a mm -hmm. patient um, because we may not necessarily know 100% um, that that's not going to happen. So we often look at things as in remission. So remission means that signs and symptoms of your cancer have been reduced and remission can be partial or complete. A complete remission means that all signs and symptoms of cancer have disappeared, that there's no trace of evidence on scans or of symptoms that the patient may be having. Some oncologists say that if you've been in complete remission for five years that you're considered cure. Um, what that truly is saying is that your chances of recurrence are lower because you've gone a longer amount of time without any evidence of cancer. Um, there's always a chance that cancer may come back at any time because there may be some cancer cells that remain even after treatment that we cannot see on scans. That's why it's very difficult for any of us to say that someone's truly cured. Yeah, Becky, thank you so much for answering that. I know, you know, I hate to end on a dip difficult question, but I feel like you ladies have shared so much knowledge and information with us today, and we really appreciate all of your time and expertise. Today, we've been speaking with Becky Witham, an FNP at the Phelps Health Delbert Day Cancer Institute, and Jennifer Gerleman, an oncology nurse navigator at the DDCI. For more information about the Phelps Health DDCI, visit phelpshealth.org. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to our show. If you missed part of this show or would like to listen to it again, please visit phelpshealth.org.